So on last week's episode, on episode one, we talked about considerations when starting an Airbnb. So this week on our episode, let's talk about after going live with an episode and getting booking requests, inquiries, what should we do? What are the things that we should keep in mind to get one step closer to becoming a super host? So from my perspective, once you start getting booking requests, it's all about good communication. And Sylvia, what are your what are your tips and tricks for people when they when they start getting these messages um, into sharing your space and wanting to book into your listing? Well, I uh, always remind myself that it's a service industry. Um, so like any service industry with inquiries, um, you need to respond to them in a timely manner, um, informatively, politely, um, no sarcasm if you think that it's a stupid question. Um, so, you know, you can get inquiries uh, during, you, you know, your own sleeping hours because, uh, you know, it's, it's travellers who live overseas that are making inquiries or booking requests. So sometimes you can't respond to them immediately because you're sleeping. But um, the sooner the better. And, and there is a deadline when it comes to booking requests. You, you need to either accept or decline within 24 hours. Otherwise, Airbnb will take the option of blocking out those dates if you haven't responded. Mm -hmm. And we talked about last week in our first episode, the difference between the types of messages. There are differences between the different ones. You can get inquiries and booking requests, right? That's very important. I didn't realize that in the beginning, but an inquiry is simply that, an inquiry. A booking request means that they've decided that they wish to book your place. So it's considered a lot more seriously um, to to respond as quickly as possible so that the traveller knows whether they've got a place to stay or whether they need to keep looking. And, um, and, and that's when you get the 24 hours to respond um, to that. But I really try to respond within an hour when it's a booking request, even with an inquiry. Um, but the booking request is when they're wanting to proceed with the booking. So with many first timers getting their first booking request, I remember I was quite nervous in trying to figure out how to decide whether or not to approve. What what do you think about when you get your booking requests? How how do you decide whether or not to accept them? Because you can have auto accept, like I think we mentioned last week. So anytime someone wants to book, they can automatically get onto your calendar. But the ones that require your approval, what do you think about when you get these booking requests? Okay, so as you said, there's the um, auto accept uh, of the reservation. So that, that's a feature that you turn on or off. Um, if you're running it strictly as a business, then you clearly want to accept all um, the booking requests. Um, you can stipulate things like they have to have their identity verified before I accept. Um, which is all automatically done, those kind of things are checked. Um, you may say that they need to have at least one good review. Again, that's all automatically set in as a feature. 
I don't do that. I wish to um, look at each booking request individually. The reason for doing that is because I'm very hands-on. I do the check-ins, I do the cleaning. I need to look at dates um, and what they sometimes they include the time that they wish to arrive. So I also, because mine is a shared um, hosting, my home is shared with the guest, uh, I also need a confirmation that they understand that it's shared because some people assume that they're going to, some guests assume that they're going to get the entire home, which as we know with Airbnb, is, it isn't necessarily the case. Airbnb initially started as a shared um, uh, hosting um, platform. And then as it grew, more and more people were starting to um, give out their, in, an entire home to a guest. So that now both are available. And, and, and so for me, it's important that the guest confirms at booking request time that they understand they will be sharing with me, the host. So they're the yeah. reasons why I don't use the auto um, acceptance of, of bookings. I, I actually uh, have a conversation first with, with the guest and then I proceed to accept if, if all the boxes are ticked. Yeah, I totally agree. When I ran my recent listing, it was a shared space and we also have a dog. And so for, for me, it's important that guests have read the details of the listing. Sometimes it's very distracting to have beautiful photos of the listing. And no matter how often you mention it's a shared space in Airbnb, there are potential language barriers or people in a hurry that don't understand. And I think it saves everyone time and grief later by just clarifying those before accepting, but also setting boundaries and expectations on what their experience will be because depending on the listing some people share more spaces than others some people allow a shared kitchen some people don't some have their private bathrooms and i think it's a lot to process through a listing since there's so many different combinations that you can have but i think that messaging really helps you'd make your make your decision on whether or not to accept or re reject a booking so what are some of the and, and, and also and also if I, if I may add Ray also yeah. confusion because when you're reading so many you may think oh yeah I want this one with with the the kitchen that I can cook for myself and then you you realize that you've actually um, you know that was a different one to the one that you've sent a booking request this can happen when you're looking at at many and um, it creates confusion um, but the, the the issue I found was that, say I had, with a shared hosting situation, was if a couple arrived and they thought that, you know, they were going to um, be able to enjoy an intimate night together and then I was there, it was very awkward. So at that point, that's when I started clarifying at the time of booking request, um, just to save any awkwardness or, or dissatisfaction too from the guest when they arrive to find that it's not what they expected. Yeah. So you, let's say we've accepted the booking request. You, you've set those boundaries and expectations. What's next as a shared home host for you? What are the things that first timers should focus on after from the time they confirm the booking to the 
first check-in, Sylvia? Mm. Um, look, one of what, a piece of advice I, I strongly recommend is to set up um, the the quick messaging. Uh, I know it sounds like a lot of work, but you in in the quick messaging you would have uh, messages such as how to get from the airport to your place, um, how to get into your place. Um, local information. There are other um, areas on the platform that you can put that information as well. But as the date comes closer to the guest the guest's arrival, I will um, I find out if they're coming by air, road, um, train. And then if it's from the airport, I, I, I tell them how much a cab will cost, um, how to catch a train to my place and how much that will cost. I give them information like that, which they find very, very useful. Um, and, and as a local, I know all these things, but they don't. You know, they're coming as a tourist or a traveller. Um, and so they're, they're not as aware. So they're very grateful for that kind of information and how to get from the train station to my place as well. Um, so I would suggest that you start putting together your quick messaging so that you don't have to repeat yourself every time you get um, so, you know, a guest about to arrive, like a few days before they're about to arrive, I, I have all that information. Obviously, you need to clean. You need to um, get the room or the the property ready for their arrival. Um, I like to have a welcome pack. I found that to be uh, a very uh, inviting and obviously welcoming, and people, the guests actually appreciate that as well. A bottle of cold water for them because often they arrive parched from the airport, especially on a long trip. Um, so these are all the things that I would do to prepare for my guests' arrival. Um, I remember my very, very first guest arriving. He came for a week. And um, it was his first Airbnb um, as a guest, and it was my first Airbnb as a host. And we were both so nervous. It was, <laughs> it was funny. And I thought, what am I doing? I've got a stranger coming into my home. Um, and it took only, you know, a few minutes for both of us to relax. And, and, uh, and then it, it, was, it was a lovely experience. That was my very first, and it's continued that way ever since. I think the the processes you put in place help a consistent experience with your guests and also save you time. So even back to the booking request confirmations, I use a predefined template that lists out, it's a shared space, these areas are shared, I, we have a dog, can you please confirm before that you understand before we proceed? It just saves a lot of time and it also, you can put in their name automatically into the template That's so it's more it? personable yeah and so many people have foreign names so it's difficult to get those characters in but the predefined templates take That's care of it, it. Yeah. That's it. That's what I love using and and for a long time I wasn't using them but once I started using them where it automatically puts in the guest's name and as you say sometimes they're hard to spell, for, for, well, for me, sometimes um, they are difficult to spell or, or um, 
you know, you won't make a mistake because it's the system that inserts the name if you put that that's what you want um, there, their name. It can also put the date of their arrival. It's got all kinds of options. And I found, once I'd set it all up, I found it very, very helpful. Mm. It's, it's very time-saving, exactly. And yeah, it time allows saving. your message to be consistent amongst exactly. all your guests. Yeah, and I think on that same note, I created a checklist of things to do in preparation so that there's very little thinking that's required every time we're preparing for a guest check-in. It's around um, making sure the linens are replaced and making sure, like you said, a bottle of water or the fresh towels or all the dusting, mopping, recycling bins, everything's been set up, all, all the way to the check-in list of the topics to cover when they arrive. Uh, it's just easier to make sure that you have these listed down so that whether you're busy that day or um, maybe you're slightly distracted, you have the same experience that you go through and you can protect that good experience across the board. So I think those are really helpful. Mm. I've also found um, small things like having an umbrella are available for them. Um, uh, and um, just, just thinking through what it is that they may need, I just make sure that all of that is available to them. Yeah, exactly. So let's keep going. Let's go forward to your guests followed your great instructions and now they're at your home and they arrive. Um, what, what happens next when they come stay with you? Well, I have a habit of greeting them at the lift. So um, they use the intercom. I open the building door for them. They come up, but I'm there waiting at the lift to greet them uh, with a smile. And I find that they respond very warmly to that. And then I bring them into the apartment so that they don't have to go looking at which is the right apartment and um, welcome them into the room. And then I give them a short tour, which I find they also very much appreciate. This is probably more needed when it's a shared home rather than if um, the guest has booked an entire home because with a shared home, obviously there are common areas and there are shared areas. So I go through um, the, the apartment, firstly their bedroom so that they can put their luggage down and um, I go through the, the bedroom very quickly, the bathroom, the living area and what's available to them. Obviously with an entire home, I mean I've got... Superhost friends who uh, have who um, have entire homes on Airbnb, and it, it's not as important because you hand over the keys or or you give them a code or there's a lockbox which they uh, need to have a code to open. But they somehow collect the keys. As I say, there are alternative ways: lockbox, code, um, as you do, Ray and all, all, all the host is there. Once they receive the keys, they usually just um, familiarise themselves with the, with the um, property themselves rather than getting a tour of it. I, I, I think, as I say, as a shared home, a tour is a little bit more important. I agree. And I've tried both ways where I greeted the guests, gave them the tour, versus giving the guests uh, access to the smart lock so they can enter the, the pin code and then 
follow the instructions to their room. And I think in a shared space, building rapport is really important because you are sharing that space and it becomes a little bit awkward if they check themselves in, they, they've kind of guessed where things are. They might have rushed through the instructions and then you come home and then you may go through it again or not go through it, assuming they've read it. And I think that just leads to some potential poor experiences later because you really don't I know how totally much to grasp. Yeah, I to I totally agree because I've tried both. There, you know, the, in in the nine years I've been a host, there has been the occasional time where, let's say they they they're they're running late for whatever reason, their plane may have been delayed or whatever, and I've had to go somewhere, and I've had to leave the keys somewhere for them. It's it's a totally different experience for them if they've walked into. I mean, look, it's fine. It's not that. It's it's been um, very negative for them, but to be able to welcome them personally with a smile on your face, make them feel at home, go through it with them, it, it, it is a far more pleasant experience for them than if it's just uh, collect the keys for somehow, somewhere. In fact, I had one guest and he wrote to me and he said to me, oh, are you going to be home when I arrive? Because I'm going to come off the plane after a long flight. I'm going to be really tired. I do not want to be trying to figure out a code on a lockbox. And I said, don't you worry, I'll be at home for you. So he, he's, he was telling me in advance that he wanted to be greeted. Yeah. So um, look, and there, there will be some that are highly independent and don't even who want very little contact with you. But the majority of chose the majority of guests who have chosen a shared home for their accommodation are wanting to be around someone. They want to be around someone who's informative, especially knowing that you're a local and that you can give local tips. Um, it could be uh, especially a female traveller that who wants to feel secure um, and safe. So um, that's why I'm saying the ones who are, are choosing a shared home versus an entire home uh, typically do want you to be there because that's what they've chosen. Maybe, maybe a contentious topic, but I'm going to go there is what are your thoughts of of last minute bookings. I'll share my recent experiences. Okay. I feel I feel like when people make last minute bookings um, at my property, whether whether they're stressed for reasons outside of their control or it's in their control, it's more challenging for me because I'm usually I don't always have the place prepared for the next guests. And some of the bookings have come down to 30 minutes before check-in that they, they want to book. And so many times, almost all of the times, those guests have been more stressed when they arrive, but also I'm also more stressed when they arrive because I might've been rushing before they came. So it becomes a higher probability of a, of a less optimal experience for both parties. Um, and so I, I feel like, I would probably advise against going to the closest, like the very close check-in time, so late bookings. Um, but what's your experience with late bookings? 
Well, look, I think here we have a difference of location. Yeah. Um, so my, my, in Sydney, and I'm close to the CBD in Sydney, I, I haven't had the negative experiences that you've had. I, I have had one or two which are similar to what you're talking about. But the majority of last-minute ones have just been people whose plans have suddenly changed. Mm-hmm. Um, or one that has been very common for me is when they've arrived at another Airbnb which they had booked and mm-hmm. are dissatisfied. Mm-hmm. And so they've contacted Airbnb and um, either Airbnb has contacted me and said, can you help these people out by letting them stay at your place? Or they've booked, Airbnb has told them to book anywhere else and they've chosen mine. So I've had quite a few of those that may have arrived at somewhere where they felt unsafe or it it wasn't as the photos were and so they quickly need to find something else. So I've had those and they're they're fine. They're very grateful um, to be able to have somewhere to stay so quickly. I also remember once a, a doctor Um, During the pandemic, I don't know why, but he was a last-minute one. Maybe he was very busy. Maybe he just arrived and, um, you know, and needed to go off to work. But he 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 booked on the day, and then he said to, to me, how soon can I come? And I said, well, where are you? He said, half an hour away. I said, come straight away. That's fine. So, and he, he was absolutely fine. So... I don't know. I, I, my experiences haven't been so negative with the last-minute ones, but I can remember one or two that were odd, and then I just didn't accept their booking request. Yes, it's you probably can tell one when of those. They, when, <laughs> when they're having yeah, when they're having odd conversations with you, they're all over the place, and um, I think there's you, a lot to not... <laughs> from those messages. Exactly. Yeah, you yeah. do. You have to be able to. Uh, read the messages um, and what's what's happening there. Uh, look, the majority of people do do book in advance. I'm always surprised at how much in advance people do books because um, I certainly don't when I'm travelling. <laughs> I think that's it depends a little bit about the the cancellation policy that you said. I think both of us have pretty flexible cancellation policies, right? I'm pretty flexible down to the day before uh, of check-in. Do you have a pretty flexible? Yes. So I think that also promotes it. I've always had flexible. Um, I know friends who have moderate or strict and there's other categories as well. I've stuck to flexible because that's the way I want to be treated if, if, Mm. you know, I had books somewhere and then suddenly I couldn't come. So you can... Um, cancel up to, I think, 4 p.m. the day before. Mm-hmm. Um, having said that, I s- then become very inflexible, meaning okay. that if they're trying to cancel after that um, that time or on the day of arrival, I will not budge at all because I think that is totally unreasonable. For whatever reason, it's unfair that... I would have to forfeit the cost 
um, of someone not showing up on the day, whether it was a cancelled flight, whether I, I become totally inflexible. I will not give in once it's on the day and they're trying to cancel on the day. I don't I don't worry about cancellations because I, I'm fully booked all the time. So often when when people have cancelled, um, I've had, you know, the person staying before them wanting an extra day or two, so it works out even better. And, in fact, my current guest right now, she had booked, she's a repeat um, guest, and she had booked for two nights, but she wanted three. And lo and behold, the guest that was booked for tonight cancelled, so she's able to stay this tonight, which is the third night. And so Ooh. I don't worry about cancellations. But as I said, once it gets to on the day, I become totally inflexible. I think the area, like you mentioned, matters a lot. I was running on a coastal area, very common for for holidays, school holidays, public holidays to get away. And it's people make their plans very far in advance. And so I don't get the same traffic that you get in Sydney where there's so many people looking and, and you're in a beautiful area so it's very popular and you're highly rated so if someone cancels more than 24 hours and you're priced quite fairly you're very likely to get a booking there's so many people coming through Sydney <laughs> that's right I that's why I don't worry about cancellations but other um, friends of mine who are super hosts as well they've got the strict cancellation where they get 50% mm -hmm. of the booking fee if they get a cancellation within, oh, I don't know what it is, a week before. And, um, I, I don't do any of that. I, as I say, no. if, 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 if I was in a situation, I'd like to think that I could get a refund if I had cancelled days before. Mm. Mm. One, one other topic I wanted to cover today is about safety, both all different topics of safety so what type of safety precautions do you have in place since you do have someone you you've never met before stay in your home and also regulatory things that you need to keep in mind what what do you mm. have in place in your home okay well with regards to personal safety which is obviously very important i i make sure that their id is verified that's when accepting a booking um, but I found that Airbnb has now um, put, put that process in place that I don't have to check anymore. There was a time when it wasn't, and so I would need to check that. Um, but generally, I, I, I think I've just been trusting and it's always been fine. I, I do look at reviews, but also if someone doesn't have a review, they've got to start somewhere. I've never had a problem with personal safety. And as I said, I've been doing this for nine years. Um, as far as safety for the guest, well, they're safe from me. <laughs> but, um, but if we're talking about legislation, um, we, ha we have to have fire safety equipment available to them. And the legislation in Sydney is quite strict and defined. So you need a um, fire extinguisher of a certain size, not too small, but um, the right size. And you can look this up within the Office of Fair Trading website. Um, you know, the fire blanket, you need to have that in the kitchen. You need to have evacuation diagram. 
Um, there's all kinds of things like that. Look, my partner is 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 a little bit of an industrial minimalistic type, um, with tiled floors and stainless steel bench tops. It's, it, it would be very unlikely that it catches fire, but still, I need to comply with all of that. And so, when my guests come, I make sure that they know that if there should be a fire, that that I've got all the right equipment to deal with it. Yeah, I think one thing in addition to what you mentioned, you know, also the fire blankets and the fire extinguishers, is are the locks in the home, and so I make sure that the guests feel comfortable whether it is required or not, and they're safe from me too. Um, there's locks on all the on the bedroom doors, the bathroom doors, and I also have them on my on my rooms too. Just it's a peace of mind very unlikely they'll need to use it but it's just a, a a comfort feeling that like they have the ability to lock the room if if they need to so I, I have those in place but yeah that's it that's all also what i have um i think, I think you, the, you, you hmm? i think that's the right thing to do believe it or not i don't i know that's very surprising but i just don't i've never felt a need to do it but i do recommend you do it don't yeah. follow what i do <laughs> I think one one area that um, might be challenging is cultural differences, language barriers. Yes. How, yes. how do you tackle how do you tackle this? Because Sydney is a very international city, and so you get guests from everywhere. Some of them have better English than others. Um, although you speak more than one language, <laughs> you still may have guests who speak a language that you don't. How do you how do you tackle it? Well, I, I welcome them because it's an exciting experience into a cultural difference. So I certainly um, am very happy to have them. Um, often they are apologetic about their English, um, but I found that if I speak slowly and patiently, most of them do understand. And I've actually had a review where he said that um, even though I had to repeat myself, I was very patient and he, he was very grateful for that. Um, but for me, that's common courtesy. Um, the, the other thing, of course, um, is to use a translation app uh, if, if, if the English is very, very poor. Um, so, you know, I've had people who speak French and I don't speak French. Um, some Asian languages, obviously, sometimes. Um, I've had guests, uh, you know, that didn't speak English. Um, and, and as I say, last resort and, and best resort in a way is, is the translation app, which, you know, speaks the words as well or just writes the words. And, and mm -hmm. that seems to overcome any barrier. I mean, obviously, it's, a, it's slow communication, but you, you get you get there in the end. I agree. I think many times when I've had guests overseas who were uncomfortable speaking English or their English was not as proficient as it can be to communicate effectively, they were more comfortable messaging me through the Airbnb app and just translating it. So when they asked me questions through there, I would just respond in English and they would translate it within the app and see it and vice versa. And I thought that was, that was fine. Unless it's an emergency, a lot of the questions 
aren't aren't urgent. I don't think I've received too many that were. And so I think that's that's a good way. It's also a good way to keep communications in the app in case there's any disputes later. I recently had a guest who spoke perfect English, but didn't remember some of the instructions or how things would work. And then would have issues with the TV or the smart lock and then was really upset. Um, and so having, having a trail in, in the messaging app helps you in case there's disputes later um, because Airbnb does monitor it. If there's a dispute, you can use it to help you in those cases. So I, I recommend using the app too, in addition to speaking to them. I agree. I agree with that. It's good. I I agree. It's it's good to have that right written trail that you can follow, and especially if you need a third party like Airbnb to step in. Um, but uh, it's. Um, Oh, I lost my train of thought just then. But um, with with um, the the apps. Oh, I know what I was going to say. Uh, one of one of the many features that Airbnb has added is the translation. So some a guest will write to me in their language, and I get it immediately, you know, automatically translated. Uh, mm -hmm. That's a more recent feature, which is fantastic, and it makes mm -hmm. it very streamlined. Yeah. So. Let's end this this episode with your favorite guest story, Sylvia. So why don't you share with us over nine years your favorite guest story um, to end this this week's <laughs> podcast? Um, I would. There's there's one lady that that has I have never forgotten um, because she made me appreciate my life. Well, she didn't make me, but her, when she described her life, I realised how great my life was. And she was, um, she had arrived here with her 12-year-old son without her husband, and she was from South Korea. And she was staying with me for three weeks, which was a, a lengthy amount of time. So once she gained the confidence to ask me, she said to me, do you have a husband that goes away when you have a guest? And I said, no, this is my place and I have guests here all the time. And she said, so you you own this apartment? I said, yes. And she said, uh, and you just go to work and you earn money. And her life was so different to mine, so different. And... She and she said, "I would love to be able to work and um, earn my own money and have my own place." And her her life was just one where she was a mother and housewife. Not that I'm knocking that; that is very important work. But she yearned for um, a place where she she could have her own independence, and because um, she relied heavily on her husband making the money. And she just couldn't believe the freedom I had to come and go and do whatever I wanted. And I think that really uh, made me appreciate my life more. So this is, this is what you gain from um, hosting and talking to people from all over the world. You hear their stories. But I could certainly talk about many guests where I've connected 
and it's been a very rewarding experience. But you told me to choose one, and she's always been my favourite in my mind. She was delightful, oh, and wow. I was grateful that she made me see how wonderful my life is. Oh, that's incredible. Thank you, Sylvia, for sharing your story. I'm going to stop You're and I'm going to leave it there.